Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and skillies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Anne Grand, Matt Machine, Lucky Evie, and Jordan. Today is our 55th episode, and we're discussing the 1983 uh, OVA anime, Serendipity the Pink Dragon. So, let's get things started. Who's, pi- who's a little on top, the big on the bottom, and pink all over? <laughs> Definitely the thing. Yep. So yeah. Serendipity started off as a series of children's books. It was written by uh, Stephen Cosgrove. And they basically were very short picture stories that uh, taught children life lessons. Serendipity herself, despite being in the title of the franchise, only appeared in one, maybe two books tops. So it's Ooh. very interesting that she was made the face of the entire franchise. But apparently they were very, very popular in Japan and got a television series made of it in the 1980s. Now, the anime took a lot of liberties from the book, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot. There's <laughs> probably more changes to this than there was from, like, the Shrek book to the Shrek movie. Because the <laughs> Serendipity book, just to go on a little bit of a tangent here, the only things it has in common are she basically hatches out of a glacier, there's a walrus, and there is a dolphin. That is it. That is literally the only similarities between the uh, the picture book and this bizarre, bizarre anime. But I'll bet. To, but to make things uh, more interesting, uh, even though the anime was released in uh, several countries, which included, uh, of course, Japan, but also uh, Spain, Italy, France, and for some reason, Iran. And this is post. I and this is a post Islamic revolution. Iran. So now I'm uh, picturing the uh, uh, the decrepit old Ayatollah watching this anime, trying to make sure you know it was like you know suitable for broadcast. <laughs> oh boy, that can only end but, well. Yeah, but when this was released in uh, the United States, uh, it was made into kind of a direct-to-video movie, and that is the version that we're going to be watching today. So the movie begins with a song that is pretty generic. Uh, it's decent enough for the time period. It's not the worst 80s uh, opening theme song I've heard, but it's not the best. Uh, they play over credits that basically were the credits to the anime. So I'll give them credit for that. haha. <laughs> but they just replace yeah. the Japanese text with the uh, English one, basically. And one thing that's interesting to note is that uh, the title card says Serendipity the Pink Dragon. But the theme song says Serendipity the Pink Dinosaur. Now, I don't know if it was like some kind of, uh, they meant to call it Serendipity the Pink Dinosaur or Serendipity the Pink Dragon. But she's regardless. More, yeah, she's more plesiosaur uh, yeah, than so anything. Yeah, so she is more of a dinosaur count, so than a dragon. Exactly. exactly. She's definitely more of a, uh, a dragon than a, di- more of a dinosaur than a dragon, rather. But uh, after the opening credits, we begin with the shot of an enormous boat sailing through Antarctica. A narrator tells us that the main human antagonist, Bobby, is on the boat with his marine biologist. Antagonist? I'm sorry, what? Um, basically, what happens is uh, the narrator is telling us that the uh, main human protagonist is on the boat with his uh, marine biologist parents. Okay, I thought I I, I heard antagonist when oh, no, no, I, no, like, protagonist. He's I a protagonist. Yeah, protagonist. <laughs> oh, so, there, there's uh, an antagonist in this, but it's uh, not as. Uh, 
it's not as interesting as Bobby would have been if he was the antagonist. But <laughs> no, no, no. All right, listen to you. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, yeah, good. It's here we get to the uh, first problem with the anime, at least in my opinion, is the voice acting. Because the voice actors playing Bobby's parents are doing an incredibly poor job. It feels like they just took uh, two random interns, threw them in front of a microphone, and told them, read the script like this. When his father in particular just sounds like he's reading his lines for the very first time. And yeah. the voice acting overall is pretty uh, spotty, despite having some uh, decently well-known uh, voice talent. Bobby is voiced by uh, Cheryl Chase, who's probably best known for being Angelica Pickles on Rugrats. And uh, Serendipity, I believe, was the actress who uh, dubbed uh, Rita Repulsa in Power Rangers, believe it or not. Sorry, what? The voice actress for Serendipity also did uh, Rita in Power Rangers and several other voices for uh, Sentai. What? Okay, then. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about the Japanese or the English? English, English. English. The, the English oh, dub. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can just hear it now. I think we should let him live and submit him to... Sur- or try at my pumpkin. Okay, I can't do yeah, it. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely would have made things more interesting. At least more interesting. Oh, man. So what we got here isn't too bad. I mean, uh, Serendipity's voice is pretty soft-spoken. Yeah, and you would yeah. not imagine this is the same voice as Rita freaking Repulsa. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely I mean, get I to that. I can hear it, but like, just, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But we'll definitely uh, get to that when we uh, get to actually uh, Serendipity's birth. But... For now, uh, we get to hear Bobby's father say that tomorrow they're busy taking samples of plankton. We do not know if, of course, that when he said that, the first thing I thought of was uh, plankton and his cousins from the uh, from Plankton's army. The episode "Curse Ye Plankton" hey. and your ability to form a working human ear. Uh, that again would have been way better. I'm gonna kick your fucking. Oh, God, okay. But yeah, it turns out that uh, Bobby wants to take part in the expedition as we get a shooting star transition. And it's here the English dub plays a really over-the-top, like, sparkle sound effect during this part, which they do a lot of, and we are going to get to it. Thankfully, uh, one part of this uh, anime that they did not ruin with this uh, English-language version was the animation, which is really beautiful. Like, the backgrounds in particular are really well done. And you really get a feel for... That despite you know this uh, shortcomings of this, they really tried to make it a visually appealing show. And Indeed, I question yeah. how a dub could ruin the animation quality, but I've seen four kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, t- I, I've especially <laughs> seen that true. one that one scene you showed me where it's like uh, this old anime, like from the sixties, whatnot, and they add this like fake cheap robot that was clearly made but with dick Battle quality of animation Battle of the planets that was the one it took a gotcha mon and in order to capitalize on star wars they put a r2d2 like robot and his dog in the show and it would literally just cut to him like you know oh i hope my friends are all right and then it would have like the <laughs> robot roll across the screen and do something stupid for like 30 seconds then oh, go back yeah. to the anime thankfully this doesn't do anything as bad but yeah Getting back to this, uh, Bobby stares out at the ice flows in amazement before hearing a voice from a doorway. It turns out to be a toucan-like bird from a cage, and of course the bird can talk, and it claims that its name is uh, Pira Pira, and that it's the uh, bird of paradise. That and is, uh, Pira that Pira's is, voice... Uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, her voice, his yeah. voice, whatever, honestly sounds like a mix between Little Mai from Moomin and Lewis Griffin from Can You Guess Maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I got a Lewis Griffin vibe for her instantly as I heard <laughs> yeah. as soon as she opened that yeah. beat. Yeah. And the thing that's weird is that the voice acting is all over the place in this thing. 
But one thing that they do disturbingly well, especially for this time period, because this was like a 80, I think 80, 83, 84, the lip syncing is on point. Like I did not see any sort of a difficulty with them trying to match the uh, lip flaps. So I give them credit where credit is due. They actually tried to fit the uh, sound to the uh, vocals. So I'll give them credit for that. But yeah, uh, Pura Pura continues to complain about the cold as Bobby lets it out of its cage. And uh, basically Bobby asks Pura Pura why uh, she doesn't fly home and she claims she can't because of the cold and that she'll take a boat back. Pura Pura claims to be from paradise and then uh, she can't reveal where it is because then it wouldn't be paradise. As Bobby and uh, Pura Pura talk, the captain of the ship enters the room he claims that he heard voices, and Bobby tries to explain that it was Pura Pura, who begins acting like an ordinary bird, which, okay, so we're ripping off a one froggy evening now. <laughs> Is yeah. that what? Uh, the Looney Tunes short with uh, Michigan J. Frog. Oh, yeah, I one, see. That sort of move. Yeah, yeah. But the funny which thing here is... Hear... The... Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. The, yeah, funny the thing here... I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> the funny thing here is that, like, it's used more for, like, uh, noble purposes instead of just, just like, hey, we're ripping off Looney Tunes. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But basically, uh, the funny thing I was going to mention here is the captain sounds so much like a stereotypical Canadian. It makes all of his lines way funnier than it was probably meant to be because I don't... This probably was filmed in Canada. I don't know if it was like the Ocean Group or not. They probably didn't exist when this came out. But regardless, it really feels like uh, when they just got random people off the street to voice half these characters. And, and it shows. So Pure Pure continues to taunt Bobby by not talking, which makes the captain not believe him. Then we get a return to the narrator who appears very sporadically in this, which uh, really is a bad sign when you have a narrator, but they either... They, but what happens is that if they don't show up either at the beginning or at the end, or if they don't show up at the whole thing, you can tell that they put it in just to have some kind of noise to keep the kids busy. Yeah, the noise direction yeah. in this can be a little dicey. Definitely, definitely. And we get a shot of uh, penguins all staring at uh, Bobby before he approaches him. Uh, when I saw this, the first thing I thought of was like the penguins of Madagascar. Well, this sucks. And they're just staring at the frozen wasteland. And also the freaking uh, ship that they took. That too, that too. But yeah, Bobby oh, uh, steps forward and he slides on the ice. Then he claims that the penguins and him are going to be friends. Then we get a windstorm beginning to take place as Bobby's parents call for call for him to join them. And then we get a huge error in the dub because Bobby's father talks, but there's no sound coming out. And it, it, it actually focuses on it for like uh, five to six seconds. That is a long time in terms of uh, you know visual media. So that's something that they definitely uh, screwed up big this version. Uh, yeah. That's a freaking lately. Yep. What so happens at the... Uh, I don't know if it's the editing or if it's the, if this was actually in the anime series proper and it just did not look right. Uh, Bobby has this thousand-yard stare that they love to reuse all the time, and it looks weird. I'll bet. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do that. And it's really noticeable, like you said, uh, especially because they use it quite a bit. But then we get uh, the glacier beginning to break. Bobby goes in one direction, his parents uh, go in another. And this part in particular is really well animated. Just the way you feel the uh, the tenseness of the situation. You know, you really do feel 
that, you know, uh, the, the drama at this point, the action. And again, the animation on this is clearly the, the standout point. And it really makes me wonder if in Japanese that the show was probably pretty decent, but if the dub sadly ruined it or not. Yeah. But what happens is uh, Bobby awakens to see he's uh, floating away on an iceberg and drifts away. Then the narrator comes again, and it gets really dark as it claims that Bobby is certain that he would either drown or freeze to death, which, okay, granted, dark. number one, point for realism, but a little intense for probably the little, little kids that got this. You know, this is probably the type of uh, VHS that parents got at, like, a supermarket uh, counter, and were like, okay, we found it a fun movie for you. Have fun. And they just plop them in front of the TV and play the tape while they go and uh, do something else. That's the vibe I definitely uh, get from the English language version of this, that it was done just to uh, rush it out as quick as possible, which, again, is a shame because this really could have been good, but we'll get to more of that in a little bit. But for now... It does kind of fit with the 80s theme of 80s kids' movies basically boiling down to, hey, kid, you want to see a dead body? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The, the currents start pushing uh, Bobby towards warmer climates as the ice melts in the iceberg. And then it's replaced with the, uh, a large pink sphere that continues to push Bobby along. Sadly, the gigantic pink sphere is not Kirby, although that would be an amazing crossover. <laughs> and, yeah. And the, oh, man. Well, speaking of crossovers, honestly, that honestly reminds me of a silly little idea of, like, oh, happiness with the OG Dragon Ball. Not Z, That would not be interesting. GT, that would be interesting, super. man. Like yeah. OG Dragon Ball when Goku was yeah. like still a kid, which honestly I kind of want to see that yeah. now. We'll definitely talk about that when we uh, do the happiness episode, which will come in the yeah. future. So I'll be oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What happens is we then cut to a man sleeping as the narrator talks, but there's also a song playing in the background, and the audio mixing on this particular uh, tape is so bad that sometimes the you, you have dialogue that is drowned out by the background music or vice versa and it's it is it gets very annoying very fast unfortunately and but it's not this, like this happens just in the first 10 15 minutes this happens all throughout the fucking oh yes yes it does time. and it gets very very annoying very fast yes whatever but, the uh, sound editor was for this needed to have been fired definitely definitely oh yes but it turns out that the man sleeping turns out to be uh, Captain Smudge, who, according to the dub anyway, is a pirate. He, he uh, sees Pura Pura, and he shoots at her with his gun, which, of course, a few decades later, four kids are probably replacing with, like, I'm with, like, a, a blast a laser gun or something like that. But nope, it was the 80s, so you could still show that. So Pura Pura basically uh, flies away, but she falls in the water where she encounters Winston, a dolphin. The dolphin is wearing glasses for a reason that is never properly explained. And as mentioned earlier, the dolphin was in the actual serendipity book, but it was just a realistic dolphin there. Serendipity is the only cartoonish thing about the story. Like the, uh, her dolphin friend is a realistic depiction of a dolphin. So they definitely took liberties with that. And we'll talk a lot more about that too. But the dolphin takes a Pira Pira to an island while Bobby continues to drift on the spear towards the island. And as Bobby floats by, we do get one cool thing happening. A bunch of uh, Maui, or Easter Island heads, they come to life and they tell a prophecy of the spear being serendipity. Now, the Maui have really, really cool designs, but their dub voices are all, are all electronically pitched, and they all sound very monotone. And sadly, the island is not as cool as Squidward's Tiki Land. 
<laughs> if only it was. If only it was. Yeah. The tiki 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 tiki. Yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> you know, oh, what I man. think Moai, I don't think it's good when it's to think of Gradius. Yeah, I can see that too. Or like uh, Kabu from Kirby. That definitely yeah. is. I don't think. But or sadly, the these Maui are nowhere near as cool as any of those. Yeah. <laughs> We're nerds here, if you didn't realize. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bobby then... Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Bobby basically uh, washes up on the island as Pira Pira tells uh, him that he has arrived at uh, Paradise. She then gives Bobby a coconut and uses her beak to open it up. And it turns out that the giant sphere turns out to be a giant egg. As then... This is the part I think that really confused me. A bunch of strange green furry creatures see it, and they all speak in union about it being serendipity. And then the egg hatches, which reveals serendipity after a few flashes of white. And she has a really, really adorable design. Now, serendipity in the book looked pretty similar to this, but was a little more shaggier looking, if that makes any sense. She mm. wasn't as... They definitely anime uh, shibi-fied her, let's say. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, but her pink body and her wide eyes, it, it looks... Re she looks really, really good. You can tell that the animators definitely took their time to take the base design of Serendipity from the book, and they managed to actually give her a very, very unique... Uh, they made her to look unique while still keeping her traits, and they did a very good job with that. Oh, and, hell yeah. Uh, Serendipity then uh, thanks Bobby for getting her out of the egg, and her voice is very soothing and very calm, and again, the, the, uh, she is the one character that I feel that the dub really got right. She is the one character who she needed this kind of voice and they nailed it. They nailed it dead on. You know, she is the one character that, you know, the rest of the dub is, you know, really, really poor. She is the standout of it by far. Indeed. It's just that one thing thinking, hey, who do we want to get for this uh, really soft-spoken, very kind, caring, almost motherly character? I know, Rita Repulsa. This is years before yeah, that, so yeah, that's why it'd be too. a reverse. It'd be, it'd be like backwards. It'd be like, who should we get for Rita Repulsa? Oh, that woman who voiced Serendipity in that uh, anime OVA. Let's get her. You know, it would be... That, that's even weirder when you think about it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. bizarre to think about. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, oh, Pura Pura claims that Serendipity is a dinosaur, which she looks very much like a uh, stereotypical uh, plesiosaur. And part. It's here we get the first of our numerous, very random, very short musical numbers. And judging from the fact that we actually see Bobby and Serendipity talk with each other, this musical number was not in the original version. And I cannot remember the tune. I cannot remember the lyrics for the life of me. So that part uh, we're kind of going to skip. During I the number, I remember the tune, and I somewhat remember the lyrics, but like I just saw it today, so <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes more uh, sense. Short-term yeah. memory and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, during the number, all the green creatures run to the beach, and they all jump in excitement while Serendipity goes in the water and swims. There's a part with the trees and fruit scene, which is all from a later part of the movie, as we'll see later. Basically, uh, Bobby and Serendipity si swim together as the number ends. And again, this musical number lasts maybe a minute, a minute and a half of screen time. And it is one of the longer songs in the movie. So that that basically is kind of where we're at at this point, where they're throwing in random musical numbers to keep the audience, you know, distracted. And so basically the whole plot right now is... Bobby is basically Tom Hanks from Castaway, except instead of a volleyball, he gets a dinosaur friend. So, yeah, point yeah. for him. 
And he remains sane, question mark, for it. Uh, whereas uh, <laughs> Chuck Nolan did not, unfortunately. <laughs> so, after the song, we cut to an underwater grotto as a mermaid is told by, the, by uh, Winston, the dolphin, that the prophecy has been fulfilled. And again, in the book, there was nothing like mermaids in it. There was like nothing like about magical Maui or even Bobby or anything like that. So to see this take so much liberties from that, it definitely is very, very unique. And yeah, I'm really glad I kind of uh, checked. I kind of uh, checked out the original book because comparing that to this is like really, really a crazy experience. But yeah, we then cut back to the uh, island as Pira Pira tells Bobby and Serendipity about Princess Lara, who of course is the aforementioned uh, mermaid. Pira Pira then flies to learn more, and it's here we get probably the one decent joke, which is just after Pira Pira flies away, we get, like, Bobby and uh, Serendipity just staring at each other in confusion, and they have it for, like, a comedic beat. And, I'm sorry, it actually made me chuckle. So, that's, like, one good joke in the entire thing. I don't know if it was meant to be intentionally funny, but it probably was just from the, uh, you know, the way it's, everything stops. Yeah. So... We, we then cut to a serendipity and Bobby playing by some waterfalls. And it's here where you realize that Bobby doesn't mention or even seems concerned about his parents and the fact that he he's lost from them seemingly forever. And that will come into play at, by the end of this movie. And it, it really feels like this was a show that they just mashed. God knows how many episodes together to make <laughs> a 90 minute narrative. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's Absolutely. from this point on that you can absolutely feel that because it feels like 20 different subplots happening all at once. Exactly. So uh, a current then happens in the waterfall, which causes Bobby to nearly get swept away before he grabs onto Serendipity's tail. Serendipity wonders what it was, so they all go to investigate. It turns out to be all of the weird green furry creatures who are all crying at once. Their tears are creating the waterfall, and... Bobby instantly knows what the green what the uh, green creatures even are, which means that this version must have cut something out because we are introduced to these guys with no backstory of what these things are. We just saw them on the beach when Serendipity was born, and now he's like, "Oh, it's the Aguanauts." You know, it really just feels so out of place, like so slapdash. Oh hell yeah! And also, yeah. eat your heart out, uh, Yoshi's Island. This crying is honestly a lot oh, way worse, more, way worse than baby uh, yeah, way, Wario. Way or, worse, or worse, way worse than baby Wario crying. <laughs> oh God! Wow. Yeah, yeah, me. yeah, I, yeah. Don't. It is that bad. It oh, is that man. bad. So yeah, uh, Pira Pira tells them that the Aguanauts are crying out of sympathy with the princess. It turns out that the princess releases her emotions through the Aguanauts, which means when she's sad, they all weep uncontrollably like this. Pira Pira says that uh, Ser- that uh, Princess Laura wants to meet Serendipity, and Bobby's wondering why they're sad. It turns out they're sad because of his presence on the island. We then get a flashback where uh, the princess claims that Bobby is not allowed to live on the island, much to the surprise of uh, Winston. And Princess Laura doesn't talk for like 90% of this movie, and it's very, very uh, interesting. I wonder if she talked in the original version, and they just couldn't find a voice actor for her at this time and then they found one later, or if it was like a stylistic choice. But it is very, very strange. But Winston then uh, resigns because he disagrees with her, and it's here where we definitely hear that they the original music has been replaced because the background music is a very loud, very annoying uh, synthesizer. 
And it's one of those really 80 electronic synthesizers that does not fit the scene at all. And it turns out that the princess does not trust humans because of Captain Smudge, who wants the island for himself. But it's here where, again, we get uh, some background shots, especially of, like, the princess's grotto and just the island in general that are stunning. Like, if they don't sell prints of these, uh, at, like, uh, of these cells, that would be such a shame because these are beautiful, beautiful backgrounds. You really get the whole tropical feeling, and they did a fantastic job with that. That is one thing that I have to give them credit for is that, again, it yeah, looks fantastic. Lovely. Yeah. Also, because I don't think we actually mentioned this, the because this is an early '80s anime, the style that they're going for is very much an Astro Boy or Gigantor, that sort of uh, chibi with um, unique proportions look with the notoriously huge eyes that anime is stereotyped with. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Imagine, imagine a pink Nessie with giant anime eyes, and that's what Serendipity looks like, and the human looks like he's straight out of Astro Boy. Very much so, very, very much so. But yeah, Bobby then asks Serendipity if she can give him a ride to the Ogwa- to a nearby island because he doesn't want to, recept- he doesn't want to uh, get the Ogwanots upset. And Serendipity takes him on her back as they float away from the island, and a couple of sharks see them and ask why they're leaving. And it's one thing I have to give this credit for, the sharks are protagonists here. Like, uh, a lesser anime would have made them, oh, the mean, evil sharks. We're going to stop them. But no, the sharks are probably the most level-headed, normal guys in the show, aside from Serendipity. And that's yeah. why they are my second favorite characters, are the sharks, because they're just so, you I know, mean, chill and relaxed in that, you know? Yeah, it, it's also pretty accurate to most real-life sharks. Like, exactly. Some of them can be territorial, absolutely, but, like, more times than not, they're just chill. That's just sharks being sharks. They're not exactly, inherently exactly. evil. And they're just an, being. Yeah, exactly. And for an anime of the 80s to do that, you know, I give them props for that. You know, they actually did their homework with uh, marine biology. But, yeah, yeah, to be sharks, fair, yeah, to be fair, uh, Mary Pope Osborne also did, did uh, ninjas pretty accurate during uh, the Magic Treehouse. True, true. But yeah. Uh, the great thing about them, they didn't rap. If you understand oh, that, oh thank God! Oh no, it. no, not like yo, 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 yo! Look at that teeth! Oh Jesus! Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, not that bad, thankfully. But yeah, yeah. Serendipity <laughs> then uh, takes Bobby underwater as we get a brief instrumental version of the theme song playing, which does seem like that was the music that actually played in the anime. So they left the background music in there. Uh, we then go back to the shark. Says the dolphin Winston is leaving. The sharks are very sad to see him leave as well. They wonder who take who's going to take Winston's place. And it's here where the, the sharks kind of reminded me of the vultures from the Jungle Book. They kind of have that vibe about them where they're just there to, like, observe and, you know, befriend whoever uh, comes across their way in that. Yeah, I get mm-hmm. that, too. And then the sharks attempt to attack Pura Pura to stop her from leaving, which really cements me as my favorite character because Pura Pura might be my least favorite character in this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Pura Pura is definitely Little Mai mixed with Lois Griffin. Exactly. That that is a perfect perfect description of it. But yeah, Pura yeah. Pura is a uh, looking for a Serendipity and Bobby before he's, they, she sees uh, Captain Smudge's ship. She flies away as Serendipity and Bobby are playing in the water. He then approaches them and tells them that Winston was caught in a net, which is the first thing that actually happened in the book that happened in the uh, anime, that the, the, the dolphin does get caught in a net. 
So that's uh, one thing they got right. Like the, and one several hundred thousand things they got wrong. So yeah. That. But here we get to see something very interesting. The pirate captain's uh, voice and design of Captain Smudge has completely changed from earlier in the movie to now, in my opinion. Which makes me mm. wonder if, the, if if there was meant to be two different characters, and then they said, eh, it's too much work. Let's just say it's the same guy. No one will notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Also, his voice, like, it either goes from sounding like Roshi or Frieza, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got that vibe, too. But yeah, uh, the, uh, the pirate captain then gets ready to spear Winston, and we then get uh, to see Serendipity diving under the water. She races his ship out of the water before knocking it on its side and uh, Captain Smudge into the water. She then puts the captain's ship back the way it was, and the way they do this is it's seemingly by reversing the animation from before. Now, I don't think this was the uh, international, the uh, distribution company. I think that's actually how they did it in the anime. Oh, but yeah. then, uh, yeah, she puts uh, Captain Smudge back on the deck and she swims away as he's shocked to see a sea serpent. And it's here we start getting the cartoon sound effects. It's not as bad as like the Soviet Union uh, Treasure Island version uh. where they play c- cartoon sound effects throughout 90% of it, but it is very, very jarring. And. We find out that uh, Pura Pura is upset with Serendipity because he wanted to be rid of the captain, but Serendipity's uh, innate kindness means that she wouldn't dare do such a thing. Something She's that will th- bite her in her in either her non-existent asshole or cloaca yeah. throughout this entire movie. Yeah, yeah. But she's basically Here's a thing. particularly jarring about the sound effects thing. Oh, this ahead, movie yeah. before this didn't actually use sound effects that much. It was actually, other than the the background music, pretty quiet. And then as soon as Captain Smudge appears and every scene with him thereafter turns into a goddamn Looney Tunes episode. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. Serendipity. He's yeah. a lethal <laughs> character, but he has all the ferocity of Dr. Freaking Doofenshmirtz at best. Yes, <laughs> yes, but not none of the charm. None of the charm, unfortunately. But uh, Winston bit. then says that uh, they must part ways and he won't come back to Paradise Island, but he'll instead uh, meet up with his family. Pura Pura then decides to tell the the princess about uh, Serendipity saving Winston's life. Later we get to see a weird, strange, small creature. I couldn't even make out what this thing was supposed to be. It swims away from the island and it tells the three of them that they are allowed to stay on Paradise Island. It's a Winston- flying fish, I believe. I believe so. I can kind of yeah. see that. I can kind of see it. Just that the copy that we had was definitely uh, a copy of a copy of a copy from a VHS. So mm. it could be really hard to make out some details on it, unfortunately. Mm. This was 240p, so we got all the smudging. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all the smudging and Captain Smudge. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, Winston returns to the princess and he thanks her for changing her decision. The princess wants to meet with Serendipity and Bobby as he thanks her. And their relationship is honestly kind of adorable in a way between Serendipity and Bobby. You really get a feel that even as bad as the dub of this is, you still get the feeling that these these two are really good friends. They're very, very close with each other. I mean, to be fair, they just met, but yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then we can see a a storm approach as the Aguanauts are overjoyed. And then we get something that really just so weirded me out. I had to pause and rewind it to make sure what I was seeing was right. They begin uh, filling their mouths with water as uh, Bobby and Serendipity just watch, like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, like, another... 
Yeah. Yeah, they uh, swallow it, and then they just keep swallowing <laughs> the freaking rain. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like, and then we get another musical number. This time is about all the wonders of Paradise Island. We get a nice shot of fish swimming underwater before the storm lets up and reveals a beautiful, beautiful sunset, which, again, really well done. But mm. then we get uh, the next plot line. But I use plot line in very, very loose terms because they just drop this right away. Bobby <laughs> and Serendipity uh, go to meet the princess before they run into a strange creature. Uh, I don't know how to describe him because it just is so, so weird. Think of like... um. I think the best way to describe it is think of Lisa Simpson's head with like a <laughs> with a weasel snout, and you're about a quarter of the way there. Oh, absolutely! It also kind of reminds me a bit of uh, the Hemulin from Moomin. That too, that too. It very well could have been inspired by that. But... Yeah, like an offspring of Lisa, Lisa Simpson and the Hemulin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. But uh, the creature. No, it's name Eric. Is... What? Sorry. What? Sorry. The way uh, I describe these things is more akin to they are uh, humanoid rock creatures about the size of children with squid-like faces. Mm. I can kind of see that too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But, uh, his the this creature in particular claims his name is a uh, Garo Garo, and his professor wants to meet them as he's studying strange creatures. They accept his invitation yep. as we get more annoying synth music. And they walk through the island, and they arrive at a whole town that is filled with creatures like him, which, to me, really just reminded me of Cappy Town from Kirby, which, again, yeah. would have been way better if uh, the Cappies were here instead of uh, whatever the hell these things oh, are. Rick, yes. Yep. But the professor yeah, is amazing to see a human in person, and that uh, he only, ca- he only uh, had data of them before. He claims that uh, serendipity is beautiful and that he learned of her from the uh, Maui. He then takes them to see a trio of, of other of his kind, and it's here why I mentioned Lisa Simpson because one of them has is yellow skinned and is has like a uh, reddish body, and I swear to God, it looks eerily like Lisa Simpson, like a, a rock monster version of Lisa, made like uh, six years before the Simpsons would even exist. So. I have no idea. Did Matt Groening uh, see this uh, anime and decide to base Lisa on it? We may never know. Mm. But now it's here we get uh, what I was saying earlier about this seeming so slapdash. Because now the whole plot line with the professor wanting to study uh, serendipity and Bobby and that. Or just Bobby and serendipity meet the princess. All of that is thrown completely out the window. Because it turns out a gray one of these creatures is a judge who claims that Pira Pira is in trouble. And Pira Pira flies to the jungle when she's picked up by the uh, chief of police creature. Mm. And again, this plot line is just completely comes out of nowhere and completely takes over the next you know 20 minutes or so of uh, screen time, which really feels like they had two episodes of an anime and they just stapled them together. You know, uh, yeah. It's just like take an episode of this, episode of that, just put it on the chopping table, grab a slave, with like... <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the judge claims that Pura Pura is accused of illegally leaving the island, which she did several times, of course, to meet up with uh, Bobby and uh, Serendipity. So I guess uh, Paradise Island's legal system is somehow worse than both the Piantas from Mario Sunshine and that one planet in Transformers the movie. I have mm. nothing but contempt for this court! Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Exactly. But unfortunately, uh, Para Pira is not dropped to the Sharkatrons, but Bobby and Serendipity are brought before the trial, 
and of course they're forced to tell the truth that they saw uh, Pura Pura leave the island. She's found guilty, and her sentence is to wear a ball and chain, and she calls okay. us serendipity and Bobby traitors. And it turns out that serendipity says that Pura Pura just has to wear the ball and chain for 10 days, which really is, you know, it's a harsh punishment, but it's not a harsh punishment because it's like, oh, you can never leave the island for 10 days. Which, again, for a bird might seem like uh, torture, but I think that was something that was put in the dub version. I feel like the uh, original version maybe had, like, on for life or something like that. Because Pura Pura is completely freaking out over this in a way that it being such a short amount of sentencing, it really didn't seem like it would work. Indeed. But yep, Pura Pura tries to fly away as we get yet more uh, cartoon sound effects. Uh, Bobby tries to collect fruit for Pura Pura, but it turns out she uses her beak to pick the lock. Serendipity and Bobby then just watch as Pura flies away, and then she teases the sharks, which again, they did not deserve it, before the she uh, flies off into the open ocean. It turns yeah. out that the chain is still connected to her leg as she nearly sinks into the ocean. And then, uh, all of a sudden, we just randomly cut back to Bobby and Serendipity watching the sunset which feels like it was taken from a later episode. It might have even been like the finale finale or something like that. Because just the way that this is shot, it feels like an ending of something. But uh, the shot of them watching the sunset and the shadows that reflect on them is really, really well done. They wonder if they'll ever see uh, Pura again as Bobby calls out for her. Pura is still flying because it's uh, night and she's too tired to continue. We then cut to a Captain Smudge who sings a song. It's basically a song about, like, uh, here's a quick rendition of it. I'm Captain Smudge, I'm a tough pirate, and that's it. It literally oh, lasts, and no, I timed it, 30 seconds. Again. Oh, it, thank, it's not as bad as the one from uh, the Soviet Treasure Island dub, but no, Oop. no, it's nowhere near as meme-worthy as that either. But the song lasts all of 30 seconds, and it's sung by someone who is not Captain Smudge's voice actor. It is someone completely different, but they probably got just to sing this one song, and that's that. So Captain Smudge captures uh, Pura Pura, who does what she did before by only squawking and refusing to talk for uh, Captain Smudge. We then get to see Captain Smudge return and talk to a lighthouse captain, and he shows him the gold chain, claiming that Paradise Island must have a lot of gold on it. And the keeper of the lighthouse sounds exactly like old man Jenkins from Spongebob. Hey, you! I saw you on TV last night! What a nice cereal box. He sounds exactly like that. And the whole time I was just thinking, you know, it's old man Jenkins from SpongeBob. But it's also Frieza from freaking. Yeah, I can see Oh, yeah. It's also that freaking. It's also that freaking old man from The Simpsons. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But the captain claims that he'll make it to the island, and the lighthouse keeper tells him it's dangerous. And it's here where we get another voice for Captain Smudge, which makes you think that the voice actor couldn't record all the lines. So they just had someone else come in, record these uh, couple lines of dialogue, and then get the original guy. This isn't even like something like Sword in the Stone, where they had someone cast and then had to redub it. This literally happens like in the middle of a scene, and it's very, very weird. So mm. he claims that uh, Paradise Island will make him rich. The next day, all the Aguanauts talk about how Pura Pura was cap was a kidnapped by Captain Smudge. Serendipity and Bobby are told about this and are shocked. Uh, we then cut back to a Captain Smudge's ship as he sails towards the island. Bobby and Serendipity, meanwhile, sail off to rescue Pura Pura, 
And it's here we get a montage of Serendipity and Bobby sailing off to rescue Pura Pura, which again, nice animation, but there's more of that really annoying synth music. And it makes me wonder why they even put that in in the first place, because a lot of the background audio is from the original anime, but then they just decide to randomly replace it for no reason whatsoever. But we then yep, cut back to the shit. They just play the synth music over it. Exactly, Indeed. and that's... That is exactly what I was going to get to, because when we come back to the ship, as Captain Smudge is demanding to know where the island is, the audio mixing is so terrible, because the music is way louder than the dialogue at this yeah, point. Yeah, bet. Yeah, and of course, pure, pure. I don't this for a while, but the, the audio mixing actually does make this nigh unwatchable. It does. It was very mm. hard for me to just get through this, and it's a shame, because again, it could have been good, but sadly, it was not but what happens is Pure Pure refuses to talk to the captain. It turns out that Smudge's only friend is a bird who is also driving a ship at the same time. The captain uh, can't find the island as Serendipity and Bobby approach. She dives into the water in a bit of a reused animation before she races herself up to help Bobby on board. And it's here we get a sequence that, I have to admit, even a dub like this couldn't ruin. Because we get an actual tense part of the movie with uh, Bobby sneaking around the ship. Because the score and the complete lack of dialogue actually makes it seem somewhat of a threat. Which, of course, is uh, ruined very quickly because when uh, Bobby sneaks into the ship, he almost gets Pura Pura uh, and her cage out. But the captain and Smudge's bird sees him. And it's here, again, we get uh, another thing that really shows this was an anime from the 80s. Because the captain just whips out a gun on Bobby. And he demands that they take him to Paradise Island. Pura Pura calls her serendipity as the boat begins to tip over yet again. Bobby smashes the cage that uh, Pura Pura is in and runs away. He lands on serendipity. She stares at the captain. Not so much a stare of, like, disgust or anything uh, negative. It's just a stare of, I guess, wonder would be the right word. It's very hard to tell her expressions at times, but... Mario, wonder this ain't, birdie. No, also, no, unfortunately. Also, a brief note, uh, the bird steer, uh, steering the ship and uh, the pirate have kind of remind me of freaking V-Lads from Dragon Prince. Yeah, that too, that too. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, but uh... Are not Smudge, as charming uh, as V-Lads. Yeah, but then Smudge claims the island is real, and he plans on returning. And then, the all of a sudden, we cut back... We cut back to the storyline that we had about uh, Pura Pura, uh, Bobby, and Serendipity at the uh, Professor's Museum. Keep in mind, this plot line has been dropped for almost half an hour, and now we just cut back to it randomly. Like, okay, time to go back to this one, I guess. But Ooh, don't mind Bobby me, just... I'll be out of your hair in a second. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But Bobby decides to go into the museum to see Gera Gera while the Aguanauts uh, play with Serendipity. Bobby goes to the museum, which is filled with all kinds of uh, nautical debris and a pretty nice touch. He then sees an enormous crate, which is filled with fireworks. He explains what they are as Serendipity uh, cutely peeks her head through the window. <laughs> and Serendipity and the Aguanauts want to see what the fireworks are, and they're interested to quote the Aguanauts, We want fireworks! We want fireworks! That is literally what they sound like, and man, they are annoying. Oh, uh, honestly, a little bit, but it honestly, like, that reminds me a little bit of uh, freaking Camp Lazlo, where, like, but if uh, he says fireworks, then I yeah. want fireworks. And just yeah, launches yeah. Raj and Clamp back to Camp Kid. Oh, could, my gosh. Yeah, I could definitely say it. Oh, anyway, uh, here's the thing that uh, Lud is underselling. They, they speak 
in unison, but like with a like a quarter second delay between each and every one of them. So it's mm-hmm. it's this long chain of the same thing that they're all saying, and it gets jarring. The oh, it does, and it gets very very annoying, very very fast. But yeah, uh, we then cut to another uh, sunset as they all prepare the fireworks for when night arrives. Bobby lights the fireworks, and everyone is just in awe over how beautiful they are. But then, of course, Bobby, being an idiot, lit the fireworks. The Maui then tell the princess that the island is in danger because Captain Smudge sees the fireworks and heads towards the island. Everyone else decides to hide. All of the uh, rock squid creatures, I guess we'll call them, they decide to hide as Bobby and Serendipity decide to do something about this. Morning comes as the sharks greet, I think it was supposed to be a seahorse that has been tracking Captain Smudge to claim that he's going there uh, later that night. The seahorse has a, a comically bad voice. Like, even amongst the badness of the voice acting, this one was, like, the one that really took me out of this. Mm. So, yeah, we then cut to Captain Smudge, who's using his charts to head directly to the island and the gold he thinks that's on it. Meanwhile, the sea animals are all talking about what, they t- what to do with uh, the princess. We get to see a walrus, who, again, is the walrus from the uh, original book, who was the best friend with the dolphin, and they were, like, a... Uh, co-kings of the sea i believe which again nothing like that in this version but then they want to take her to another island but it's here we finally like this is a almost like an hour into this thing we finally get to hear dialogue from the princess as she refuses to leave paradise island bobby then comes up with an idea because he decides to use the fireworks to draw smudge away from the island they uh collect driftwood and coconuts then he places fireworks onto a makeshift raft Captain Smudge continues to sail closer and closer to the island, and Serendipity pulls the firework raft into the ocean. Captain Smudge is basically uh, saying what he'll do with all the gold, as they said to push the fireworks into the current and light them. Pira Pira, the little psychopath that she is, <laughs> hopes that it'd sink her, uh, Captain Smudge's ship, but yeah. the plan has turned out to cause him to know the island is in the other direction. Pira flies after the fireworks before getting blown into the ocean, and of course does not die because this is a kid's thing. Captain Smudge then thinks he made a mistake that the island was over in the other direction and he sails in the direction of the fireworks. Serendipity claims that Smudge will never find them as he returns to the lighthouse keeper and tells him about the island. And then it's here where we get, I think, the thing that broke me in terms of like the (laughs) continuity error. The princess claims she wants to tour nearby islands. Whereas in the beginning of the movie, they claim that Paradise Island didn't have any nearby islands. It's like you can't even keep your continuity straight from like the beginning of this to the end of it. Continuity, but, but yep, it's meant to be broken and never and rarely meant oh, to be definitely, kept. Definitely, definitely, but yeah, uh, it turns out that uh, she wants that uh, Serendipity and the sharks go with her to protect her which gives us the unfortunate uh, aspect that Serendipity is barely in the last uh, 15 to 20 minutes of the movie, which really stink. But it turns out that the princess seems to have been gone for a while as the Maui warned them that uh, Captain Smudge is going towards the island. Bobby asks the, asks, uh, the walrus what they'll do, and the walrus says that Neptune will protect the island with a storm. Uh, mm. I, I just love this. Their plan is to do nothing. Literally, that is their plan. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's do nothing. Let's let nature take do the work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, you know, uh, unfortunately, Neptune was probably too busy competing with SpongeBob to be the royal fry cook <laughs> because a storm does come, but it causes uh, Captain Smudge to wash up onto the island. 
Pura Pira and uh, Bobby see the captain unconscious, uh, but then he uh, gets up and prepares to hunt for treasure on the island. Pura Pira spies on the island where all of the weird rock squid-like creatures just decide to randomly run into the ocean, I guess for safety, but there's nothing said about them being able to breathe underwater, so this is just out of nowhere. And Indeed. again, serendipity is not in this entire sequence, so we're kind of uh, going to fast forward through it. Uh, Captain Smudgigan's climbing the river as Bobby tries to come up with a plan. There's a really lovely pan of flowers, which you can tell that the animators definitely had a lot of fun uh, putting all the time and effort into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Smell, Captain's a uh, smudge rather, claims he knows the smell of the flowers, and he claims that it's like uh, Pira Pira. He claims that he is the first one on the island, and then it's here we get a moment where the show actually loops itself. The last, like, uh, everything I mentioned with uh, the flowers, him climbing the river, him knowing it's the bird, they play that in its entirety all over again. Oh, boy. This is such an egregious... That was an issue with the upload, but I've looked at the runtime for this quote-unquote movie, and it's actually accurate, so that leads me to believe... No, it was an editing flub. It was an editing flub, and they left it in the final product. That is nuts. That is like like complete amateur hour level things here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, all of the uh, living trees and fruit stare in shock as Captain Smudge takes a non-sentient apple off a tree and eats it. We then get another musical number as Garu Garu sings about how they ca- how they uh, plan capturing Captain Smudge in the pit. Bobby stands in the open on the beach while Captain Smudge slowly approaches him. Well, he even fires his gun in the air to prove that he's serious. The Aguanauts are too scared to pull the rope, but then uh, Pura Pura tells them to, and then they get over it. Captain Smudge is trapped inside a bag, so now he can't see anything of the island. And it turns out that he's their prisoner, just as the princess and Serendipity returns. They plan on, like, throwing him into the lagoon or the ocean, before Serendipity being the only sane one of the group, so that they should just return him back to his home. Serendipity, uh tows the boat out onto the current and cause it to sail back into the port with uh, Captain Smudge seeing nothing of the island. And it's here where it ends, but this doesn't just end. Oh no, this is one of the weirdest endings of all time. The narrator comes back, and the narrator tells us that Bobby could have returned home on Captain Smudge's ship, but because he enjoyed uh, Paradise Island so much, he just decides to stay there forever and ever. The end. My family. I know. It's like, yo, your parents probably think you are dead. You know, you you are probably hundreds of thousands of miles away from them. And this is a happy ending. It's supposed to be, I guess, sweet, but it is really, really dark. And I have to imagine the anime ended like that as well, which, again, really, really dark. But yeah, that is the end of this. And uh, they only made uh, one series of Serendipity, which had uh, 26 episodes of which I would estimate that six or seven of them were stapled into this. I have no idea what the oh other episodes God. were about. Yeah. I kind of want to say three or four, maybe. Uh, I, I maybe think, that. I, there were, I think there were more, because uh, the stuff like uh, the other plot lines intercepting with each other, I probably think there was more episodes. But it's now that usually I talk about the, uh, uh, the backstory behind the thing or how it did or that, but this time I'm going to talk about something different, because the head animator on this show... What a what a career this man had. His name was uh, Yoshi Kotabi, who previously <laughs> worked on the famous Heidi anime before he decided to work with uh, Studio Ghibli. 
He only worked on Nausicaa, interestingly enough, before he mm. quit Ghibli due to reasons that we don't know and will not speculate. Mm. However, it is here where his career becomes insane because he decided to work for a little company called Nintendo, where oh, he yeah. designed the Japanese box art and the instruction manuals for the original Super Mario Brothers. Bowser's design was him. He designed Bowser. And he worked on the series for years and years to come. He worked on the Lost Levels. He worked on Mario USA, which, of course, was uh, Mario 2 uh, elsewhere. He worked <laughs> on Mario 3. He worked on World. He worked on 64. He worked on Sunshine. He even worked on Galaxy. The last uh, Mario uh, game he worked on, because he also worked on Wario, believe it or not. The <laughs> last Nintendo game he worked on was WarioWare Smooth Moves. Now, that alone is absolutely amazing that this guy who did Serendipity, the Pink Dragon, was responsible for basically the entire look of the Mario franchise. But we're not but wait, done. There's more. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, right. there's more. And, there's more. And Lucky mm. Eevee, you are probably going to be interested about this because he later worked with Game Freak to design Pokemon and the look of the anime. He worked as a lead animator on Pokemon, the first movie, Pokemon 3, uh, pretty much almost every other movie until uh, Hoopa, which, uh, after which uh, he pretty much retired. And in a way, Jesus. this anime is responsible for the look of both Mario and Pokemon. That is insane to consider. There the guy who worked on this made two of the biggest, most important franchises of all time in terms of uh, video gaming. So, and in terms yeah. of freaking design, like I mean, Serendipity gave us Nausicaa, freaking Mario, and yeah. freaking Pokemon, people. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and it's amazing. It all started with, with Serendipity. I mean, without Serendipity, would we even have the Mario franchise as we have it now? Better you know? question. Would we, would, would, if without mm -hmm. Serendipity... Would we ever have Lapras? Mm -mm. He's just very good point. That is an done. excellent point there with uh, with Lapras because Serendipity does kind of remind me of it. I wonder if he uh, he took uh, Serendipity's design as a base for Lapras or not. Also, Gudra. That too. Maybe Dragonite. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, that is just amazing, and it's a great note to end this that portion of the episode on. Now it's time for the question of the week, which is, what is the most obscure cartoon you remember watching? Now, I'm going to go first, and I'm just going to say this. My cartoon is so obscure, I don't know the name of it. Because every time I try to look at it online, you know, with all sorts of keywords and everything like that, like on every social media, I cannot find anything of this. Anything. Mm. All I have of it is a title card, which is called a Sheer Terror. Sheer is mm. in like shearing of a sheep. And there was a part where people turn into animals. It had kind of a, not so much anime, but I guess it would be, the closest analogy would be like the uh, Jumanji cartoon uh, type of uh, art style. And again, it's something that's been like my white whale. I saw it on TV maybe once, like, you know, years and years and years ago. I have never gotten it out of my head. Just because it's one of those things that you watch and you don't know what it is. You, you, you know, when you have that feeling, it is mm. just, it, it's like an itch in your brain, basically. It's like, what is it? I keep looking up, you know, sheer terror, cartoon, sheer terror, animation, and I find nothing of it. And it is so bizarre. It feels like it came from an alternate dimension or something like that. But 
Yeah, oh, that is. It was a TV series from 2011, apparently. No, no, no. This was way before 2011. This oh. Was way, this, like, this was like 2001, 2002, I think. And yeah, uh-huh. this probably aired like on once on one network and oh. probably never again. What do you know? At, Found it. At, what was it? Uh, it's on freaking. I'm going to post it here. Uh, Sheer Terror 2001. Uh, closest thing I can find is this. Let me see. Let me see. Let's check it. Huh. That might be it. Wow. Okay. So apparently the show I was talking about was called uh, Wicked Wicked. with an exclamation point. It's from 2001. And yeah, I don't know anything else about it, but (laughs) we might have solved a major issue that has been bugging me for years. So (laughs) thank you so much for that, Angron. You're welcome. (laughs) Wow. That is just wow. 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 And speaking of which, uh, what would you say is the most obscure cartoon you remember watching? Oh, Boy, that's a tough one, because, like, two ultimately come to mind when I think of that. The first one is Animal Olympics. That is, oh, man, that uh-huh. is a movie. Like It's a classic. Oh, yeah. it's a it's very much a classic, because it inspired, uh, I, I, I don't think it would be too much of a, uh, too much of an outlier to say that this inspired frickin' Zootopia and or Sing. Oh, yeah, yeah, in a way you could say it inspired a lot of furry media. The second movie is one that I saw recently and is actually more of a recent pick compared to uh, compared to other movies on this list. It's called Mosley. I've seen it. It's it's pretty comfortable. It it like it's very satisfying. It's a little rough to sit through sometimes. Uh, not because it's annoying. Not because it's bad. But because it can be pretty pretty rough. But. This surprisingly, despite being called a Chinese movie, it has a full English cast. No, no joke. And it is, mm, it is very surprising. So, oh man, I, I could do one or the other, but honestly, Animal Olympics might be a little bit more known than uh, Mosley. So I might just do Mosley. Yep, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. But yeah, Animal Olympics again was uh, done by uh, the, the who would later uh, create Tron, I think. And it's oh, very, yeah. very good. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's probably readily available. And uh, yeah, it's really, really a lot of fun. Oh so, yeah. Uh, Math, what would you have to say is your uh, most obscure uh, cartoon you remember watching? I mentioned these a couple weeks ago with the weirdest cartoons. <laughs> uh, the the two prime examples that I would use for obscure are uh, Sebastian Starbear first mission. The problem is literally nothing is known about that. It just appeared one day. So yeah. the one that actually has some history to it and actually kind of is relevant to serendipity is uh, the Adventures of American Rabbit. Mm, I'm nice. probably one of only five people that has ever seen this thing. It mm. is an anime movie uh, from the 80s, so it uses that same uh, semi-chibi style. Uh, Anthro World, uh, a Kid Rabbit has superpowers. Uh, he transforms into his fur pattern, looks like the American flag, and he's got roller skates for some reason. Uh, I mean, to be fair, Land Hikari has roller skates as well as Moon Girl, so not really too much yeah. of an outlier. 
Yeah. If this was a Japanese and American co-production, which is the the interesting part of this, uh, the American side of this was made by the dude who then went on to make the the original TMNT series. Nice. 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 And the reason that this series existed primarily as a Japanese production was because the the characters were based off of uh, an American pop artist who did a lot of company mascots for Japanese companies. And effectively, those are the characters that are in this movie. It's a very wild watch. It looks like it should have been a series, but they just made it a movie. And mm. it is so weird and so bizarre. The, the story is almost non-existent. The animation is stiff at times, to be generous. This got no box office at all, and it it has just disappeared into absolute obscurity. Like, yeah, that's pretty wow, rough. That that definitely sounds like something that's worth at least checking out at least once. Because, wow. yeah, I hope you can find it. I'll give you that. It is one of those. What did I just watch? Kind of movies, but it's one of those that it's historical. Uh, uh, the history behind it is probably more interesting than the movie itself. I'll bet. Honestly. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, like that. So, um, Jordan, what would you have to say is the most obscure cartoon you remember watching? Oh Lord, I had one, but I might have forgotten it. Uh, I think for me, oh Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, oh god i'm a girl from the 90s and i should know what the most weirdest thing to find but i can't think of anything that sticks out that says oh i'm uniquely weird but i can't think of anything it's gonna kill me i can't think of one. Oh boy it's all good, it's all wait good. i think i think i do have one uh it's nope. an old move a uh, series uh bub in the night it it's a it's a claymation movie or series. series, and when I look at it, I'm a claymation nerd, but I'm like looking at this, I'm like, okay, what is this? It's a creature bump in the night. It's cute, but it's weird. I'm like, you're funny, and it has the voice actor who did Danger Doug, Tigger, Winnie, uh, Pooh Bear, Eeyore, all kinds of voices he's done. I'm like, it's interesting. I can't hate this. So that what was the really thing called? Bump in the night. Huh, dang. Very really Is that the like claymation one? I think yeah. it's a claymation. Yeah, I didn't remember that. That was really cool. That was really, really elaborate claymation. Yeah, and there was also tons that I've seen, but I'm like, I just can't remember the titles because I've seen it one time. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna memorize this, and I don't. I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely, definitely. Uh, I think I think I remember seeing that too, and I remember that the animation really is so high quality, especially for stop motion. So mm-hmm. very, very, very. I gotta definitely check it out. So, um, Evie, what do you have to say is the most obscure uh cartoon uh, you remember watching? If it was wise, I don't remember it. Yep, it's all good. It's all good. Huh. So now it is time for the uh, patent pending Dragonus scale, where we rank uh, serendipity this week. Now this is going to be interesting because serendipity is definitely the best part of the uh, of the anime. Uh-huh. Let's be real; she is easily oh, the fault. absolute sound, the design, the voice, everything. She is the best. However, I don't know because she doesn't really have a personality. 
But again, that's the point. She didn't have a personality really in the book either. And it, it really, she, I feel like if Bobby wasn't there and it was just serendipity as the main character, I probably would have liked this a lot more. But at the same time, she has such a good design and a good voice, and she's very, very, very cute. I'm going to have to give her probably too high of a score, realistically. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm stuck between either 6 or 7 out of 10. I might be generous and give her a 7, just because, again, I do like the design, I do like the voice, I do like that she, her relationship with Bobby is very wholesome, and how she just has an innate sort of kindness to her. It really feels like she's just a, a completely pure, innocent being that is, like, beyond our, you know, understanding. Like, even someone like Captain Smudge that wants to, you know, basically conquer the island and possibly hurt her, she takes the time to pick him up and rescue him, and she's the only one who comes up with the, you know, sensible solution of why don't we just stuff him in a bag and push his ship back home and he'll never bother us again. She really feels like she is the most rational character as well in the entire anime. And that definitely gives her another uh, plus point as well. Plus, I did like her relationship with Bobby and I kind of wish they had a little bit more of that. But yeah, I'm going to go with seven on this case. Uh, Angram, what would you have to say? I'm also going to do 7 out of 10. She's uh, not really harm. She's not really uh, harmful, but I can't really say for certain that uh, she's ultimately, you know, like, absolutely my favorite thing about this movie. It's like, she's she's far from terrible. She is not... Ab- uh, she absolutely has uh, some pretty uh, defining traits. She's kind. She and Bobby get along great. Uh, she's a pretty potent protector when she wants to be. Uh, she, uh, is kind of boo. It kind, honestly, though, the fact that she's too willing to ultimately forgive and like, even with the fact that she was born a few days, uh, ago still kind of makes her, uh, kind of feel like a butter bear, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, I, I can kind of see that. I definitely, definitely kind of see that. So, uh-huh. um, um, math, what would you have to give her? I'm actually going to go 9. Wow. Love oh, the design. 10 out of 10 uh, there. The, we're not even questioning that. Uh, mm. I really did like her personality and voice. It was absolutely the best part of any character. I think that in part because every other character was just so bad, I have a, a higher view of her than I do uh, the rest of the movie. But also, she just really worked for the kind of character that they were trying to make and trying to present. It's it's a nine still because they they don't really do enough with her. But the idea of the character I absolutely got. And she is she's basically an easy way I could describe it as a proto Sisu. And it Very just much works so. for hey, this. Yeah. Very, very much so. That is a very, very good point there. So, um, Jordan, what would you have to give her? I give her 10 because it's serendipity the way how she is. I mean, she's like Starfire almost a little bit with a personality. Not, Not like dumb, but she cares for like everything around her and she sees the good in everything. Like, if Captain, if the Captain wasn't the total 
meaning she would probably like him to be around the island, but she knows, like, okay, he's going to keep coming back and just wants him away. So the way her idea was to just put him in a bag and take him home was a good idea. I mean, there were opportunities for her to be like, okay, I don't want this person near my island. We could just, you know, leave him and to drown. But she sees, like, okay, no, this is not the way of doing. She just puts him on his boat and then lets him live instead of just, you know, killing him. But no. But once she's super cute, like her design is like you just want a plushie of her and just hold her in your arms if you were a child. So I give her ten because you can't resist those big eyes of hers. That that is wow. I definitely see your reasoning there. And um, Evie, what do you have to give her? Uh, let's go seven. Okay, so mm. good. So um, if. So that's going to be it for this week. If you have any questions or if you want to send us your attempt at making a better dub of this movie, you can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2018 Bunicula episode, Queen Wicked, the Wicked Queen. It's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to have a special guest. So be sure to tune in for that. And thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, take care. Bye. All right, later, folks. Adios. And there we go.